Okay. Um, Dan started a series uh, last week, and um, what, what we want to do is, let's, let's test our memories here uh, real quick. We'll do a little review. He wanted to look at certain attributes of God, what God is like, through two different lenses, the way he put it, if that sounds complicated. So what I did was I put up here what those, what those lenses meant. Does anybody remember the name that we gave to that one of the lenses that we were going to look at? I guess if you weren't here, there's no way to get this. Let me just tell you, there's no way. <laughs> Anybody remember? What, what, did, what did he say it is when we look at God, what, what does it mean when he's near and involved? I mean, yeah, and involved. What was that word? Does, does anyone know and, and like, yes. there, there are two, who, oh, over here? Oh, well, you got, okay. I hope I spelled it right. Imminent. Does everybody remember now? Yeah. Did I spell it right? Okay. Well, it's funny. It's like I'm talking to this big group way back there. Okay. Now, what, the, other, the other word that we're going to look through at God was it meant above and beyond. Does anybody, that was the example with the athlete. Sometimes we use this word. Anybody remember? Kid. Kid first. We got, yes. Yes. Yes, transcendent. Uh, now I'm going to get into a spelling thing. Uh, is, uh. Okay, transcendent. Got it. Got it. All right. So, yeah, no, I, I get it. All right, so this week we're going to look at um, God. And the attribute we're going to look at is that he is God Almighty, which we're also going to use the word all-powerful, okay? That's generally the way we understand God, and we're going to look at why from the scriptures. But we're going to look at that in his almighty and all-powerfulness. We're going to look at that, how he's near and involved in our lives, and we're going to look at it as how he's above and beyond anything that we can imagine, but we're going to try to imagine. We're going to take a look at some of those things. So that's what we're going to do. Um, and if you want, turn to the text right now. It's in, if you have your Bible, it's Acts chapter 17. Acts 17 and verse 22. All the phones come out. Does anybody have an old paper Bible? Here's mine right here. Yes. Yes. The other's not admitting. Okay, before we start, though, if you would just join me in prayer. We do need God's help always to see things. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we gather in your name tonight. We ask that you look down on us with great mercy, and we thank you that you have looked down on us with great mercy. We ask that you are present here in this room tonight and that you are working through your word. And through my words, even though they may be inaccurate or, or not quite right, I ask that you work anyway and you push these truths that we're going to look at into our hearts and that you lift yourself up and that we see you as the greatest love of our lives, as the greatest being in the universe as our only hope for true happiness, as our only hope for true life after death. Amen. 
I pray that you just bring all of that to this room and every ear that hears. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so before we get into Acts 17, when you see things, well, I actually looked, looked up what it means for God to be God Almighty and what's meant by that. And so it means pretty much that he has unlimited power, okay, that's what we're talking about, unlimited power over all history and nature. So that, that's a huge statement, right? All power over history. Now we're talking about all of history, all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth all the way to the end. And when we say nature, we mean all events. I'm going to tell you what I mean. All events in the universe, the planet Earth, everywhere else, everywhere else on the planet, over all the thousands of years. Okay, that's what we're saying. Now, most Christians would just shoot up their hand and go, yep, that's God. That's God, right? Anybody here just, you know, that's the general understanding. However, if you've lived in the United States for any amount of time, and I think most of you have, and it's probably pretty common around the world too, you'll notice we run into a dilemma right away. The things I just told you about God would be radically challenged in almost every area by what we do. And sometimes it's so subtle we hardly notice. So I'm just going to throw a, th a couple things out there. I'm going to say this. If God made everything, all, and he sustains everything, all life, all matter, everything, everywhere in the universe, my statements are huge on purpose, and he guides all events that ever happened, okay? And that's what we would say as Christians, go, yep, yep, we all nod our heads, yep, that's what the Bible says, right? Then my question is, why are we taught by culture, schools, movies, news, that God is distant? And why do we act like God is distant? and uninvolved. Why do we live like evolution is true, where a non-rational, non-thinking forces are at work in the universe and our lives? We act like that. So, because either, either one or the other I would propose to you is true. Either there are explosions and random mutations over a long period of time, driven by no particular mind or forces, either that made everything and that's how you and I are living, or God did. It's that simple, because that's pretty much what you're taught. Is there anyone here taught in a public school that has, that, that has been taught that there is a God? Okay, in, in public school. Okay. If you ever want to uh, answer out, you can pull down your mask. Oh, actually, no. You can take your mask off, Stefan, if you want. That's up to you, though. It's voluntary, sorry. Um, if you want to answer, though, it, it call it out that way. Uh, let me see, where was I? So, does anybody know, let me just ask you a reason, even biblically, why do we tend to think that way? Why do we tend to see, if we watch movies, there's not this recognition that God is doing things? Let me throw some more of them out there just to prime this up a little bit. Why do we talk in these terms? Why do we say Mother Nature did something? Oh my gosh, did you see what Mother Nature did down in the Gulf this week? Another hurricane. Why do we talk like that? If God did it, Stefan. Very good. Very accurate in your own words. Let me continue. I appreciate that input. Why do we talk about destiny? As if it's a vague thing. Somehow, woo, some forces are out there. God. Why do we talk about karma? 
That's a new one, right? Everybody's got karma now. Spread the karma. You do good, good karma is going to come around to you. As Christians, guys, these are not Christian words. Okay? Why do we talk about good luck? If there are no accidents, there are no luck, there is no chance. Biblically, those things don't exist. John Calvin, one of the greatest, said the words luck and chance should not be in the Christian vocabulary. And yet, oh, I just had bad luck. You know, oh, in the game, you're rolling the dice. Oh, just bad luck. But the Bible says the lot is cast into the lap and it's every decision is from the Lord. Do you guys get that? When you're playing Monopoly, every roll. That was it right there. You see the way that works? We don't have that. It, that's not what the Bible teaches. And that's not the way that, that I would want to live. Let me just rattle off a couple more. Uh, luck, chance, random, and then there's accidents too. Okay, so let's go to our Bible text. I just wanted to throw out there that when we look at this God Almighty, it is rejected, just like Stefan said, out of stubbornness that Romans 1 says, that man refused, even though we can see everything that God did, we refuse to recognize that he's right. I was just actually reading Albert Einstein last night. I thought he had a great quote about evolution because I'm going to bring it up at some point. And I couldn't find it, you know. Instead, I found all these ones that were confusing and frustrating me because he was kind of admitting some things, but he was not a biologist and I don't really want to go into it. But there is this stubborn refusal in all of these other scientists were coming in and weighing on issues that I was reading. And I'm just going, this is, this is just utterly refusing. But it says it exactly in Romans 1. That they were stubborn not to admit this. And God said, then, then their foolish hearts were darkened. He said, you want to refuse me? Then be in refusal. Just be there. And then struggle through your life the way it is. Crazy. Okay, so let's look at the Bible text. Uh, Acts 17. And we'll, um, uh, we'll, stop, we'll stop here and there. And then actually we'll come back to it. Okay, so let's take a look at God's power, and that's what we're looking for. And just to set this up, so Paul, he's traveling, and he gets to Athens, and as was his habit, he went into, you know, he'll go to places, I think he went to the synagogue in this particular instance, and then he starts talking about God in these type of ways, okay? And they said, you know what? Dude, that's all strange teaching. You got to go down the street, wherever Athens is, there's this place called the Areopagus, and all these people used to gather there and talk about and worship there and talk about the various gods, because it was very common in their day. Like in our culture, we just basically have no gods, you know? We just, like, there's no gods up there swirling around. And in, in, in this time period, they did, and they would actually make little altars, and they put names on them, so it could have been the god of the sun, the god of corn, the God of rain, because they knew all these things were very, very important for their culture to survive. If they had no rain one year, it crushed them. You know what I mean? Like they didn't eat, they didn't do those things. So they would try to appease the gods and give the gods things and pray to these gods. And they made gods for everything. You know, that's why they had a number of gods. And one of the, one of the um, things they had set up there was this one table or wherever they had it. And it had an inscription on it. It said, the unknown God. And the reason these people were smart, the reason they had the unknown God was they're like, just so we don't offend one and leave one out, this one's for you, the unknown God. You know, so they just wanted to cover them all because you don't want to like give to gods and have them all blessing you and your superstitions, right? 
and then leave one out because then he's going to be mad. So they had one, the unknown God. So as Paul walks around, he sees this and he's here. He knows the truth of Jesus Christ. He has met the resurrected Lord. The, the, the spirit of God has been put in him and he knows now for him, the rest of his life is going to be to try to share others and just t throw it out there and tell it like it is. And then God will take the work and work with his word and change some people and some people will mock him, which is exactly what happened. So he knows all of this, right? So he, so he starts, and that's where we are right now. He, he gets the floor, and he's going to address everybody, and this is what he's going to tell them. And what he's going to tell them is radical, really radical, like it would be for our, our time period. So, um, so I just took some of the phrases, and I put them up here, and we're going to look at them in the sense of their near and involvedness or their above and beyondness, the transcendence of God. At the same time, we'll be taking in uh, other things. Oh, we're, Dan, what's the time? Going to cut off? Uh, you can go to 7.20. Huh. That's good. <laughs> Everybody, that's a long time from now. Okay. So here, you don't have to go that long. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. No, once you get going, it, it's, um, I know it's hard, harder for you guys sometimes, but it, actually you can give me, a couple of you guys can start giving me the cut symbol when everybody's passing out and falling, Hudson, you know, I'm not going to look. <laughs> All right, I just, I, just lost, I just lost 10 minutes from a little ad lib. It was supposed to be 721. We'll add one minute for that. Okay, so let, let, let's check this out. Uh, first, I'm going to read through it. Barely pause. I'm going to talk about just a couple things that I'm not going to talk about later, but this is an incredible passage. Matter of fact, when I, when I read such a thing, I'm, I'm, I'm just so full of, of seeing God for who he is and, and just so glad that he revealed this to me because I could have gone through life with my head down, you know, and been a crotchety man with just going about the day's problems and solving this and, and then you lay your head down and die and then the judgment and then hell. That could have been me. But, you know, God in his mercy spoke to me, you know, through his word and uh, through people preaching, it changed me. So that's just what I want. And so passages like this are incredible. So here we go. Sorry. Uh, Acts 17, 22, if, if I didn't give the verse. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. And now he starts, the God who made the world and everything in it. That's a huge statement right there. The God who made the world and everything in it. Being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Now, this is got, that's getting offensive right there because they're all standing in a temple, right? Does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands. Because they're all giving their gods things. But God doesn't need anything, and he's going to tell them why. As though he needed anything. Since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. That man is Adam, and that's every race, everyone to come after him. Having determined, this is incredible, having determined allotted periods of time, that is, 
and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Let me stop right there. God determines every country in the world, every boundary line in the world, every war that moves those boundaries, and every nation that ever is formed on the earth exactly where it is God formed it. He is telling these people things that they have never even dreamed of. That there is one God and that He is Lord in such an extended way. This is crushing everything in their mindset. And there's going to be a response at the end because I'm I'm not going to actually read it to you, but some people actually mock Him. And then others, though, see God gets their ear. They're like, whoa, what's He saying? What's he saying? That's exactly how, if you're here today and you're either a Christian or you're not a Christian, if you're a Christian, that's how you grow. God gets your ear. And like even the scripture says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So if, if, if you're listening to me and God's speaking to you and you know he is, don't close it off and reject it. You receive it. Receive it. Call out to him and say, make this real. He is the path. Okay. Determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. And here it is. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. So God made the whole world. And then this actually, in these verses, when they, when he, this feel term is like they're groping in the dark. They're feeling their way for God. But see, men have been blocked off all the way. I'll review it a little bit more, but all the way since the Garden of Eden, they first fell. When they were cut off from God and when they died spiritually, their mind was darkened. We can no longer in our natural state when we're born, we can no longer see God and know Him. There's a darkness in our, in our, there's a blindness in our eyes, a darkness in our mind. We just don't have the thoughts for God. But God is saving us through these, through things here. Okay, and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. He's giving them credit again. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art of man's imagination of the imagination of man just let me take a comment about that did you ever notice what we do in america did you ever notice that now we have this thing where everyone can make up their own god paul is condemning that right now oh your god is um the allah or whatever you know they had metal gods you know gold gods and then you did this and he's just saying and paul's just condemning it right here you don't make up your own god and that's good for you that doesn't work God's got the best way. He's offering the best way in his word right here. That's another thing that's just real common and can sound nice going, oh, you got your way, I got my way. Not for the Christian guys. I'm not saying we can't have a conversation with someone and hear some of that go, oh, okay, okay, I'm, all right. I don't think that way and I don't read it that way, but you know, it, I'm not saying cut off your friendships, but just don't accept this, this kind of stuff. It'll be presented in movies as like real virtuous and everything. It's like, sometimes I think my family doesn't like me to watch movies with them anymore. But, well, Kaylee will tell me that I already know that stuff. You know, <laughs> because 
because it is, it, it half ruins the movie for me because of the subtle messages that are being given out. I mean, even the music, you know, the music, songs, it's so permeated in our culture, it almost makes me sick sometimes. You know, songs have the decent groove, I love all that stuff, and then I've never been a real lyrical guy, but then I'll start listening to the lyrics, I'm like, oh, whoa, dude, you know, what, what is that, you know? Okay, I was going to make a joke, I'm going to hold that one. Okay, so where, where was I? He commands, uh, verse, verse 29. Yeah, the imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And that's not a bad word, I'm going to cover that later. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. I'm going to give a two-second background on death real quick. Death came to this earth when Adam and Eve sinned. They died, and death was introduced into paradise. Before that, earth was heaven on earth. It was paradise. There was no sin. There was interaction with the Father. There was beauty. There was naming everything. There was just, everything was grand. And then they sinned against God. And God brought on the most catastrophic penalty for that sin and death. He said, now you will be a sinner, basically, and death will reign over you. Sometimes, you know, certain religions, and, and we get this a little bit in science, will be like, oh, death is just the beautiful cycle of life. And I'm like, yeah, death is the most horrible, wretched thing that you can imagine. You want to hear a story? It's not about the wonderful earth. Everybody dies. That's just tragedy. If I've ever heard of a tragedy, every single human being dies. Let's play that movie and see how everybody feels at the end. <laughs> no, because, and you, know, you know how, you, you, this gets me too, and they went off happily ever after. No, they don't. They die. They get sick and they die of one thing or another, or someone kills them or whatever. You know, you get it. You got to realize death is the greatest enemy of all mankind. It's not any beautiful circle. It is the greatest cursed enemy enemy that God instituted over the whole earth. Now, he's going to make it right, though. He's going to make it right. Remember, he's going to conquer this. He's got a better plan. It's like Kyle said once, I do remember this, Kyle said once, he says, how could this have been better when God granted the fall and all this stuff happened? Because he goes, well, then we were always one sin away from wrecking everything. And now once you have received Christ and his forgiveness and you're a new person and a new man and you're going to live forever, you can never ruin it again. We prove that over and over again. You know, I'll, I'll sin before I get home probably in my mind or whatever. Paid for. I'm adopted. I can't change that. The family of God is knit tight. He will save every one of his people. You want to be one. You want to cry out to him with everything you have and say, whatever it costs, I want to be with you. Okay. So let me cover a couple things. Um, Let's, let's uh, be, so I don't miss this in the end. Let, let's go back now and start filling in some of this. So in, in one of those, I'm just going to go through the phrases and talk about them. He talks there, he says, God commands everybody everywhere to repent. 
And I remember for a long time, I heard that word and it just bothered me, you know, it was like a Christian word and I'm picturing this little guy on the street corner, repent or burn in hell. And actually the guy's right. Um, but, but really, you know, but, but repent, repent is a word that's used in the Bible. But let me just say this, I don't have that negative connotation anymore. It's a beautiful word. It is when a person has sorrow and turns to God for forgiveness. Can you imagine such thing? Everybody in this room has probably felt guilty. Actually, can I tell a quick story? My, my wife, <laughs> can I tell this quick story? No, guys, it, it's a funny one. It's a funny one, but let me show you the power. Let, let, I, I should tell one about myself. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's, it's, it, it is fun. It, it's, no, it's, it's, it's good, it's good, it's good. So my, my wife has had a vast career in, in, in different sports, and this, this one involves, and that's a joke, guys. She, she, but she played softball when she was little. Like, is this in sixth grade or seventh grade? Somewhere in there? Like fourth. Oh, fourth, good, good, we're down, we go. And so she, she, she played, and she admits it, she played just because they went and got ice cream after the, after, after the games, right? And her friends were playing. So, so and, and she was never really into it, but I don't really want to say that. She was probably fine. But she, she said last night, she said she scored once. And we're like, wow. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that would be a highlight. So she actually crossed home plate. I said, you crossed out and touched home plate? She goes, well, I wasn't sure. So, so, so you can imagine when, you, when you're lining up the girls and like I'm the coach and I'm telling them, when you go past the bag, you have to touch it, you know? So she comes by. And, and, and she goes past home plate and she still honestly can't remember if she touched it or not. So she goes all the way home, can't sleep at night because she can't remember whether she touched the base or not. <laughs> Comes back the next day for practice and, and by well, practice there she, <laughs> see? <laughs> so, so that, so you, you, you get that, you, you get that conscious thing, right? She didn't know for real, they counted it. It's like, oh no, oh no, you know? And actually those are the purest days because our consciences get, can get pretty hard about us being wrong and doing things wrong. But that's a good story about how that works on it. But for the Christian, this repentance, this repentance is a beautiful thing. It's turning to God, receiving the forgiveness, being made new, it's new life. It's new life instead of living in the death. If you walk around with your sins and you're carrying that guilt and you're carrying those things, it's, it's a life of death, misery, while, even while on the earth. Okay, so let me just, uh, quick summary then for, for those that, that, that what, why, and, and often I read this passage, maybe someone could help me out. Often I read this passage and I go, and I'll read what Paul said and I'll go, that's all he said? That took about 40 seconds for me to read that. And then I wonder if maybe, maybe our, our specialist here, I, um, I often wonder if, well, maybe that was just a summary that Luke wrote, you know? And, and that really he filled those things in, but Luke just took the major statements and recorded them for us. Is that probably what happened? I'm thinking 40 seconds, you know. So anyway, I'm gonna fill in a little bit of what Paul was, was, was probably getting at with those guys, but he went through, <clears throat> I'm sure he went through a lot of them from the scriptures and what God has instilled in him about why this repentance, and he's coming up on a judgment too, why this repentance is so critical. And I think that he told them that God made the world and everything in it, man sinned and suffered a catastrophic consequences. Just like I just said, um, we were cut off from God, sickness, hard work, more sin, death, and eventual judgment in hell. But 
but God so loved us that He became one of us, lived among us, then offered His life on the cross so the Father could put on Him our punishment for sin. Then he rose from the dead, showing that he beat death. As I said earlier, he, over, he overcomes death, the, the human race's greatest enemy. He now offers a new, forgiven, beautiful life to all who will repent and call on him. So you see, that's a, that, again, I just want to make clear that that's a beautiful word. Matter of fact, let me read you this quote. I'm reading this, other, this new book uh, now, and I was super pumped to get it. It's called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. Do you know, you, you know why I was super pumped to get this book? Well, first I read, I'm reading this book by John Piper, and John Piper brings up this book. It was written in the 1600s. So immediately you're like, ah, you know, no, no, no. So, so, and actually that's old English and it's been translated to new English, which, because I would have really struggled with that. So John Piper says he read this book and it changed him. And he said, it's a simple, small book. I didn't bring it with me. And it changed him. And then he says, George Whitfield. Now, I don't know, I know a lot of you guys don't know who George Whitfield is, but, but back in Jonathan Edwards' days in the 1700s, George Whitfield, he was a, a, a preacher and was traveling, and just in just venues like this, he's just speaking. And I mean, the Spirit of God is just crushing people everywhere. And it was during they had a great awakening, like a revival during that time. And I'm like, George Whitfield read it, and he, it majorly put an angle in his life. I'm like, okay, I need that book. And then, Chris, my wife is reading a book, uh, Elizabeth Elliot, and, and Elizabeth Elliot read this book. So I'm like, oh my gosh, now we're into like the trifecta of, of, uh, <laughs> of, of people. So, so I, got, I got the book, I, I read about half of it. It really is wonderful. So, so let me read you this quote from it. And, and what he's speaking of here is, and here's what the book does. In plain language, okay, and I mean plain everyday language, it talks about what actually is happening when God is saving somebody and what, what really is happening. And, and that's the best way I can describe the book. It's a plain, simple book. So here's, here's what the author says, forget his name, uh, about this new life that God, when they repent, cry out to him, and God puts his spirit in them, creates a new life in that person. Listen to what he says about that new life. It's the image of the Almighty shining from the souls of men. It is a real sharing of His nature. It is a beam of eternal light and a drop of the infinite ocean of His goodness. It is truly stated that those who possess this life have God dwelling in their souls and Christ formed in them. I mean... To go from an absolute sinner destined for judgment and hell to a person who has the infinite spirit of God living in you, and he's good. That is a transformation. Um, the life of God in the soul of man. Okay, next phrase. So now we're going to jump back. Um, whoops. Oh, here it is over here. The God who made the world. Oh, f first, let me stick. I got to stick to Dan's plan here. So repent. What do you guys think? Is that more of an imminent lens if we look at God's almighty power when he brings the, this new life that I just spoke about? Or would it be more of a transcendent above and beyond? Oh, I got a hand. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yes, I'm going to go with that. I, I like that answer. He said imminent right here. Okay, good. Okay, so this one here. Uh, oh, judge the world. What do you think that one? Because we just covered that a little bit there. That was the phrase in there. Judge the world. Transcendent or, or imminent? I can hear my family over here discussing this, and I get it. Anybody? You can't go wrong. Transcendent. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to transcend it. This one actually can be both, because it is above and beyond all we can imagine that God is going to raise up every single human being that ever lived, and they're going to come before Him in the grandest thing you've ever seen, and He's going to judge them. Now that is transcendent. And that's the thing, the Bible just talks over and over again about these things that if you really think about what it's saying, it is, be, it, it is like we're just so here, you know, and so limited in what we do and stuff like that. And God just does all this out of sight. But this is also, wouldn't you say this is also can be very imminent? Because guess what? You're all going to be there by yourself. By yourself, you and Jesus. And the question will be, do you love me? Are you mine? Remember? Do you know me? Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we go to church and didn't we do all these things for you? Didn't we speak for you? Didn't we even do miracles for you? And he will say, depart from me. I never, what's the word? Yeah. Knew you. That will be the question on that day, guys. Everyone will be there. Everyone. Ever. Okay. So here we are. The God who made the world. Anybody want to take a shot every, and everything in it? Take a shot at that one. The God who made the world and everything in it. Transcendent or imminent? Oh, yeah. Transcendent. Listen to this. I better stop writing that word up there. I'm getting too short. Okay. All right. Listen to this. In case we think that's a minor task, the God who made the world and everything in it, when you're out there and about, just look at it. Look at the size of it, okay? So here's a list. This is what that means. God made, okay, all the oceans, all the mountains, all the deserts, all the plains, all the rainforests, the, all the meadowlands, all the fields, all the lakes, all the bays, all the streams, Two million different animal species. Actually, that was the lowest number I could find. Somebody said 10 million, but I don't know. 390,000 different plant species, 10,000 different reptile species, 11,000 different bird species, 33,000 fish. Fish, well, that's good. Sun, uh, this, our, just our local sun is 100 times the size of the earth. We have all kinds of seasons, the sky, the solar system, billions of stars, get this one, 170 billion galaxies. Oh, man. And then we have the whole micro world. Atoms, molecules, cells. It's just beyond this. And I didn't even get into the invisible yet. This is God. God made everything. Okay? In the invisible world, we have the spirit world. We have devils, demons, angels. Then we have air. It's an I don't see it. It's invisible. It's part of the invisible one. We have 
we have radio waves. Do you, know how, do you know this room is just loaded with radio waves? Every single person could pick up their phone right now and connect to something and start talking to someone. Those waves are in this room. Do you know how many FM stations are in this room? AM stations are in this room? Long wave, short wave radios. You ever see those guys that talk like super long? Like long, no, it's short wave. Short wave radios, the, the, the waves go, um, they're not, I don't know how it goes. I, I remember it in science. But you can talk super long distances. CB, you know, anybody, this room is full of them. Can you see them? They're invisible. But God does. He made them. All we do is keep discovering. And guess what? There's not one discovery ever that God didn't grant and put in a man's mind so he could see it. God is good to us. He continues his goodness to this earth so that we will come to repentance. He even visits tons of trouble on this earth. Why? So that we will come to repentance. That's the whole reason that he does everything. Okay, so I didn't finish that. Oh, so radio waves, sound, light, wind, gravity, magnetism, electricity, electromagnetic fields. And based on reading Einstein, holy smokes, there's a whole lot of other stuff that we have no idea what, what these things are. He was working on, well, he did the theory of relativity, and then it was, what's, what's that other one? That, oh, man, sorry. Um, yeah. Okay, next one. Uh, this, this actually gets a little bit crazier. Uh, next one is, he gives all mankind life and breath and everything. Oh, be, oh here it is, being Lord of heaven and earth. That was, that was Paul's next phrase, being Lord of heaven and earth. Now this has to do with being Lord is present. He continually is this Lord. Remember how we just kind of rattled through in the beginning? We said that there's not one event that happens that God does not, I'm going to start using a word that's called decree or grant, okay? This is incredible. It's like one thing, because a lot of people, um, even um, Ben Franklin used to say that uh, he was like what was called a deist, at least for part of his life. And he used to say that God basically did this, he made everything, but then he stood back. He kind of kind of pumped some power into it. Now it just kind of does its own thing. But that's not what the Bible says. So the Bible says over and over again that God does these things. Matter of fact, I'll read to you in, um, uh, from Job 42. Job says this, I know, he's talking to God right in the end of the book. He says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Whoa. Well, hold on a second. So let me do a logical thing. I'll read it again. I know that you can do all things. God can do all things. And that he has purpose. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In other words, if God has a purpose, it can't be, it can't be changed. So here's a logical deduction of the reverse. If something happens that God didn't purpose, his purpose was thwarted, and this verse is untrue. So everything that we do see happen, God purposed. You know? Now, what's the big struggle with that statement right there? Because I know you guys are going to come up with it right away. It's the number one challenge uh, that you'll hear against Christians um, in the place, or people's number one question. And I get it. It's a good question, actually. It's a very good question. What's the number one question that has to do with God being sovereign over all things, including bad things, including evil things, including crime? Is it God's fault? Okay, that's exactly it. Okay, people want to say, no, no, God's a God of love. He does not, he is not controlling or doing those things, okay? And I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. He is not doing anything evil at all. And that is the gigantic struggle. So what, I made up a statement and then we'll, we'll just maybe talk about it for a couple minutes. But here's the thing, and now listen carefully. I hope this is clear. Um, 
Because the question is, why does God grant and not stop all evil in the world? Okay? And a lot of that has to do with premise. Okay? The premise is, is that he should, or that those things are bad and he is being bad. We should never say that about God, okay? He is being bad. But remember, it is us who brought the curse on us. We brought the fall. We sinned and brought the death. So we, like Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. The world is condemned already. It's already a condemned place with evil that's happening. So listen to the statement with that background. God does not make people sin and do evil because all fallen people already want to sin of their own will. God simply decrees exactly which sins the people actually carry out that will best, this is important, that will best serve His perfect purpose and will. For those that love God, all things work together for good. For those that do not love God, all things work together for judgment and hell. Do you see that? You see, God is just, people have in them, they want to sin. They like to sin. They are slaves to sin, the Bible says. So they're gonna sin. God simply determines and decrees exactly which sins they commit and where they commit them to serve the purpose of his people. That's even why you can have, even in the Bible, you, you can have uh, statements like uh, th that Christians can say, rejoice in suffering, because we know that the suffering is from God. If God gives me a sickness, it's from Him. Even though the sickness is evil, and we're still supposed to pray against those things, we're supposed to say, God, please take this away. God, please take this suffering away. But He is working these things, and this is why we can trust Him. If not, we gotta be really scared. You know what I mean? If this is random things are happening and God's not in control and someone just snuck up and killed that guy and God didn't, God didn't want that? Well, God did not want that in what's called his will of command. He commands you not to kill someone. But then there's, there's the other will is his will of decree. The decreed will is the actual will that he actually grants that the things happen. They all serve him. They're all just. He's never unfair. Remember, every human being in the fallen world deserves death right away, right away. He should crush everybody and burn everybody. The, the, the fact that we are alive for a second and he gives us breath to breathe is a gift. He's kindness. You see, you can't put God as judged. And that's immediately what people do too, too quickly. And, and there's verses, I just didn't want to go into, that would, this would be a whole lesson in itself to actually explain that. But it's a beautiful thing when you see it. And because God is God. And then you can rest, you know, knowing that everything he brings your way is, is, is from him. The hard parts are from him. The easy parts are from him. When are you the closest to him? When it's all going your way? Heck no, man. We're all about that, right? No, now it's troublesome. Oh man, God, please, please. Oh, now you're gonna unite with me. And we wonder why, what has really trained you if you've been a Christian for any time? The good. The training often comes the best when the affliction and the suffering and the pain go up. That's when we draw near God and we wonder why he brings it all the time. You know, it's for us. It really is for us. Okay, so two minutes, yes. 
And good, I'm at number four. So he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And here, this is great. In him we live and move and have our being. So I have a quote here. Oh, no, this, this, is, this was just um, an encouragement from Psalm 139. And I'll, I'll finish up with this. Is that often... I think that most of you are like me. I can have inside, I just feel like God is distant maybe, or I feel as if, um, you know, I'm alone or, or just depressed or, or, or uptight, you know. It's like sometimes I'm even trying to lay there and sleep, and I just, why don't you relax your arms, man? What are you doing? You know, it, I catch myself like tense. And, and it's when I recall things like this that it just, it, it, it's God connecting with me and just saying, just relax here, just relax here. But listen to what he says in this psalm. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts. It's the psalmist saying to God, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them, vast, God's thoughts for you. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Whoa. Okay, so you guys have been to the beach, right? They are more than the sand. Picture yourself buried in the sand, just millions, well, millions, I think it's millions, of just sand everywhere. God has you so covered in his thoughts all the time. He's God all the time that it's incredible. And he says, and then the psalmist says, I awake and I am still with you. You know, he awakes up and it's like he knows you're right there, God. And so that is the God that is the God that, that is imminent, and we just looked at some transcendence. We just looked at some imminence in God, His almighty power, and that's why everyone in this church and our pastors and everybody, this is the message that we just want to get to everybody because this is the only place in the universe you can find life. You never experienced life. You were made, we were made to be in a relationship with God. Adam and Eve, remember, were in a relationship with God where they communed with God, they walked with Him, they talked with Him. That is what God is restoring in the people who repent and receive Him. It's a beautiful thing. I know there's a rejection. I know it's like, oh my gosh, if I start doing that, my friends are going to think this. Okay, I'll do that later and all that. Don't put it off. Don't put it off like that. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible word. It brings everything to us. And we just ask that as we go, and thank you that tomorrow's Sunday. Um, thank you that we can meet again and be in your presence, listen to your words, sing to you, everything. And I just pray for everybody here, including myself, that all of us would leave tonight and want you and that you would use whatever you stuck in our ears and in our minds and our hearts, and that we would use that to call out to you. And as you have said, that if anybody comes to you, you would not cast them away, and that all who come would be saved. And so, Father, just draw us and make us near you. In Jesus' name, amen.